us for another episode of Dice Advice. We are a tabletop and RPG podcast where we take your questions, quandaries, tales of valor and debauchery, and we digest them and bring them back to you. I'm your host, Jesse, and as always, I'm joined by a row of my good buddies. Harry. Saul. Brad. And our special guest, Leo. All right, guys. Let's start off with our first question. This one comes to us from Jimothy. What can the DM do to encourage intergroup role play? Is that part of our responsibility or do we leave that up to the players? I feel like it's a mutual responsibility between the DM and the players to carry the role playing. D&D by its existence is a tabletop role playing game. And in that in that sense though, the while the players should role play, it's really up to the DM to kind of reward their their actions, much like create a Pavlov's dog situation for the players. Yep. I like that a lot. Yeah. Right yeah, off the you got it. You got to positively reinforce role play. And that's uh, that uh, I wholeheartedly agree. Now, I do want to kind of guide the conversation and let's knock NPC interactions right off the table. The guy is talking about intergroup. So, like, how do you get these mm-hmm. guys who may or may not know each other out of character? to interact with each other and care about the piece of paper that they spent a couple hours on or 10 minutes on, depending. One of the the best ways to get that done is to present the group with some sort of challenge that they all face together. That they can't necessarily solve out of character, right? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, A lot of it has to do with, I think the DM's responsibility is uh, setting the stage for the interaction, but you still have to be, as a player, the the responsibility to actually make the action happen it falls more so on the player and yeah I, I think one thing that can kind of reinforce that is giving a player a situation where they will shine so they're already feeling better about the character and then the group can interact and be like oh like you know i didn't know you were good at that and that can lead to a lot of different places i'm with you there yeah you know i, I really agree with you on that actually in in a recent campaign we were playing, we had a character go murder hobo that was out of his character. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I, you could go a couple different ways here. I'm not sure if you're talking about me or not. <laughs> um, and he, uh, he, you know, he attacked this uh, poor militia guy who was just a farmer making some extra money. <laughs> and um, <laughs> the other character who has been introduced to the group was able to role play uh, very elegantly and reveal some of their character's abilities with that opportunity. So <laughs> that, w- that was a great moment, to be honest with you. I, I didn't even realize till later how much of that, that moment kind of let the, the difference between our experience level as characters, not players, but as characters uh, kind of shown there because we'd been through some shit and this new character hadn't, you know, and it yeah. was just like night and day, the reaction that we just like, I just, I, I didn't even think it was that screwed up. Uh, or I'm sorry, my, my character didn't even feel like it was that screwed up. But, you know, the new the newbie kind of was a gas. Hey, now, hey, now. <laughs> the, the new character was a gas. <laughs> <laughs> the new character was a gas. And, and, and in character, that was such a great moment, man. I, I To be honest with you, I was so in that moment that I thought that you were going to finish the job, not heal that person. Yeah, I mean, and really, um, 
and listeners, just in case I am that other character, just in case it wasn't clear. Um, <laughs> this is a little dicey. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully yeah, you've that, heard. Hopefully you've heard episode one of Companions Reborn by now. Yes, and uh, you know, I it, as a player, you really got to play up what the mindset of each individual, you know, each, the character you're playing is, and letting that go through and kind of show through not just your actions but also your words. And excellent job of that whole situation. And I'm not going to go into any more detail. So you guys can go back and listen to episode one of Companions Reborn because it's going to be amazing. <laughs> However, on that note, though, Brad, you know, a lot of times with new players, I think, and I encountered this recently, they're so obsessed about like the mechanical aspects of the game that, you know, what would your thoughts be about rewarding them? with bonuses based upon their role playing. So if they do a really good job and they work together, they all get a plus two because of group cooperation or something like that. I mean, I almost feel like it's a perfect opportunity for inspiration. Uh, the inspiration dice to come into play, which I, I really haven't seen taken advantage a whole lot in a lot of the games that I've been in so much that I'm actually forgetting the mechanics, but I believe it's a, a D6 that you can add to specific roles. But yeah, I mean, if two players are really you know, having great interaction between each other to give them a D six on something later. And, you know, in the game, their inspiration, I, I think mechanical enforcement of, or mechanical reinforcement of positive role play is an excellent thing. I think bonding moments should naturally occur and you could probably set them up in a way. I think a DM could probably set up, set up a series of events but i think uh not to not to dote too much on our previous example but um when we just had a session recently and we were, we had this bar scene where we all were organically our genuine selves and we interacted with each other and like saul said earlier it's a team effort to get the characters to work as a team and to play together and it's um he set up the scenario for us and we got right into it. We all were ourselves and we all were ourselves with each other and we performed in a way that we all could just, uh, I don't know, really, we were setting each other up for success. It's like uh, we we're in a battle and instead of, it's like we were playing cards instead of cutting each other, we lifted each other up with bonuses constantly of like we had each other's backs and that's an organic bond that we've built over time. And I think that's something too to consider now that I'm hearing myself talk. It's like, I think time is something that has to be considered too. Like your relationship with each other is dependent upon, I think the, the challenges you go through and also the time that you spend with each other where it's out of character for Jesse to murk a guy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but it's beautiful because he was looking out for his brother. He wasn't just doing it for a whim. He was like, well, me and the boys got to get across the gate. Like, well, how do I do that? You know, he's this PS, PTSD character. And he's like, well, I got to <laughs> I got to solve this here. And now he wasn't just doing it for him. He was doing it for the group. And that's yeah. what made it beautiful. And what made it, I think, believable to his character. It was like. It, it did. It did feel organic to me, and I do want to speak to this too. In that bar scene, I think the fact that the other character, Brad's character, was new, I think that she and he, as a player, kind of took advantage of that moment to do something else, and that was even indicative of like haven't spent that much time with us. 
but also moving their storyline forward. And that is a player driven moment of intergroup RP, even though the group wasn't involved per se. So, I mean, that was a, that was a, you know, a shining player moment. The, the DM left that window open, but that was a player taking initiative to do something that the character would, would benefit from. As that, as that player, I, uh, yeah, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Not, you know, not trying to blow smoke up your ass either, but I, no, I, no, I, this I feels good. thanks. I know it was great. Man. It was great. And, and I think, I think it would have felt, you know, haphazard and it would have felt maybe inorganic had you tried to help us in our efforts in the main room. So DMs, people who have DM'd. Yeah. I have a question. So our DMs in the party here. What is your favorite setup for getting these characters or new PCs to work together? Obviously, we have the cliche bar. But outside of that, what are how do you guys think? What is this one of the first challenges you guys propose to your characters? I always like I always like taking something from someone that they really feel like they need or that they were attached to or getting them attached to something or an idea of getting something and then making it so that, you know, it, even if they don't like and then that way it's it, it works either way. If they like the other character then they'll easily work together with them. But if they if they don't like the other character, it doesn't really matter because they need them somehow or another. I, I think it's tough as a as a player character to one thing you can't one thing you can't force is chemistry. So we have the 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 luxury of having um, three of us actually grew up in the same small town. And then we branched out and made friends. And then we brought our friends into our campaign. And it just, it was a great, the chemistry was so genuine. We don't have to force liking each other. It's beautiful. We're very lucky that way. But I could totally see it where the chemistry is forced or I'm trying to get along with this person or it's like, or I'm playing with my brother and, <laughs> and we're fighting every two minutes. Like uh, it's, it's, it's got to be tough for a DM because, like, you're kind of—I don't want to to demean anyone, but it's kind of like you're trying to keep all the kids in the car happy. You're <laughs> Absolutely. On your way to, you're on your way to Disney World, and this I one just dealt with that on Friday night when someone <laughs> tried to shoot Jesse's character in the eye for really yeah. no good reason. <laughs> Ooh, talk on it. Talk on it. Well, I mean, you know that Jesse's m making every attempt to uh, come through this door and introduce himself and totally in character yeah. yeah oh yeah totally in character and you know i i don't know i i the, the, my my um uh, my statements earlier about what i could have done differently or only because i feel like it could have gone better that's all but well, uh come hell or high water they intended to shoot whoever came through that door because they were trying to mess with me um <laughs> i did i did hear that later in the whispers recording it was also so, well, it was also the fact that they're new players like i yeah, oh, yeah i think i knew to dungeons and dragons and they just were just wanting to screw it they were screwing around i spoke to this separately to you i think it also comes with experience level as a player because and not to toot our own horn but we've been playing a little longer me and saul in that same game our main motivation is to move that story forward and do you know not buck the system as harry said in the previous episode yes um and and their you know their main motivation was and they're not wrong was to have fun and, and their right. their level of fun in that session was to screw with you a little bit. The guy who's playing Ari in that character, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's new to Dungeons and Dragons, and he, I think he came into it with um sort of a, a let's go kill shit mentality. He wants itchy to, trigger finger. Yeah, he no, he wants to kill stuff and take gold, and I mean that's the thing that he wants to do, and it's it kind of says so right there in the player's guide that I gave. Them. Yep. So. <laughs> yeah, and and, and that that, that kind of game lends itself to that too. Right. And I'm trying to make it more than that. And that's and that's, I think, what the system if I was sticking with the system that they presented to us, then then I wouldn't have these problems. But I'm trying to lay story on top of it because I just can't do a module without embellishing it. I just can't. I think that does go to uh, something that we've really covered on, I think, in each episode so far. We kind of keep going back to this. Uh, It is what are your players looking for? Um, each table is going to be different. So kind of uh, each player's expectation is going to be different. So you need to find out what that is and make sure everybody's on that same boat. Uh, is your player looking, yeah. are your players all looking for interaction with each other or are they there to murder her? Are they, you know, kill stuff and take stuff. I, th- I think experience is a big part of that as well, though. I mean, um, it's like what you think of as fun when you're first beginning Dungeons and Dragons is totally different from amateur level to veteran. I've played a few campaigns level. Like your idea of fun is like, oh wait, I can do this. I can, I can burn down a, <laughs> you know, a <laughs> orphanage. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Like you could get away with it. Okay, cool. But it's like that's that's real fun, I guess, if you're in the beginning and you're chaotic. But then. Even if you're chaotic as a veteran, it's like you don't get your jollies off of that silly kid stuff anymore. It's like, like, bro, I want to go try to like, I don't know, do something a little more constructive, more, a little more progressive, a little more, uh, I don't know, just your your idea of fun changes. A little bit more devious. Yeah, yeah. a little, a little more devious, right? More, and and I, I think it comes back to this also. The the DM is like the pilot, and you have to let him steer the plane. It comes back. It comes back to like letting the DM run the show. I, I, I don't know. It does. I mean, you have to trust that he's got a story in mind. Uh, I do have one counterpoint, and going back to what Harry said, yes and no. In some, I, I want to agree and disagree with you. The disagree part mostly comes from the fact that i feel like we're in a very weird time when it comes for dungeons and dragons and this entire kind of fandom area where we do have things like you know our podcast obviously is very super small at this point and going all the way up to the big leagues of you know the critical role and everything we we actually do have a lot of new players coming in wanting the story where when we all first started i started you know 20 plus years ago that's not really, you know, how when I started off, yeah, that's exactly Harry, what you said. That's what I wanted. I want to go in, I wanted to kill shit, and I just wanted to goof off. And exactly like you said, over time, we've all matured to the point where now I'm looking for story. I still want to kill shit, but I want there to be a reason. But a lot of the newer players with the environment that it is right now are coming in it slightly different. Can of worms here because I, I think you're. I think you nailed it. And I think at the same time, we have to, as veteran quote unquote players, and that can be, the, you guys could be the judge of that listening to our, listening to Companions Reborn episode one. I, I think we have to like be cognizant of that, not to alienate new players. Like the fact that they are playing quote unquote wrong or what have you is not, you know, we, we don't want to shun them for that and, and scare them away from the hobby. Like in, in five years, they keep playing, they'll be at, the, at a different level altogether. 
Right. Even, even one year. Why Jarvis should be walking around with an arrow sticking out of his eye for a little while. And that would be fine with me too. And, and, yeah. and I didn't. Or th- that guy would have been happy. And well, don't and, and don't then don't shoulder all that too because you're you're back into DMing and I think you did a fantastic job. And, and this is all meta, I think, at this point because you guys haven't heard that yet. Patreon exclusive <laughs> yeah. content there. But yeah, uh, let, let's though. I do want to break back into host mode. I want to come back to what can we concretely suggest, like as DMs, what can we do to to make sure that the group. We can't we can't twist their arm, but what can we do to present them with like a great opportunity to role play with each other? Now, even I don't, if, outside of NPCs, I don't mean to cross the lines, but I do think there's sort of uh, there's a parallel here um, with the DM uh, with leadership and and team building, and a, a big part of that. I read a few books on things like that, and um, one of the, one of the things that they suggest is um, that the military uses as a whole overall is to give you small. You get your confidence from successes. You build bonds from challenges. So if you have enough small challenges, you can lead up to where you start building confidence. You start feeling like you can achieve anything. Not you know if you go on a whole bunch of solo acts, you're going to say I'm great. But if we do it together. We're going to come out with we're great. And if you have enough small successes, enough small challenges, you'll be on the path to tackle anything. Even if it's beyond your your reach, you're going to say, hey, we can do it. We'll figure a way out. But I think small challenges in the beginning are uh, beneficial to getting the team to work as a uh, cohesion, to promote cohesion. I think small challenges in the beginning are very important. Uh, my little pitch that I'll say, and, and I'll go, Terry went abstract. I'll go with a specific tip or maybe something to do in game to help bond the characters or even just to get everybody kind of talking. Uh, and, and this wouldn't be something you go out right out of the gate, but pick somebody from one of the players backstories, uh, a negative influence or something like that. Have them become an enemy and a, you know, a big, bad, evil guy to the point where you know, one character will know about this, and the only way for everybody else to really know what's going on is for that character to come out and say, "What's going on with this person? Why are they doing this?" And that can kind of get the conversation going. So, in my opinion, you need to curate an experience that plays off of their strengths and weaknesses to highlight how they have to work together as a team. Um, as much like as Hagar said. While little successes can build them, I think also failing is crucial. Um, a fighter can't pick a lock. A wizard can't you know, arm wrestle a bear. And having them see that they can't succeed on their own, I think is mm. very important. That's a biggie. That's great. That's a great point, man. Very well said. I, I can't do any of the stealth stuff. Um that my uh my companions can and i i cherish that i I rely on it i lean on them to be successful when that time comes we need somebody to scale a wall or to smooth talk a a guard yeah a complex predicament that takes many different characteristics that none of none of them has all of them And, and i think i think my best my best you know limited input here uh limited experience advice 
I think the DM can set the tone of RP early and bring it in. I mean, you don't have to do a super performance or what have you, but let them know my NPCs are going to be acted out and they're going to have their own attitudes. And when you guys all are in the very first opening session, you're talking to the bartender at that safe tavern, that person wants to interact with each of you separately and as a group and set, you know, start that ball rolling in that sense. Like it's not a mechanical, they don't come up and say, what you buying? Or five gold. They come up and they talk to you and they, you know what I mean? That's going to kind of start that ball. I think. Right, right, right. What are you guys doing versus what are you doing? Yeah. Give them a little attitude. If they're <laughs> out of towners and they, you know, they, they, they seem strange. The bartender comes up and gives them a little sass and well, I don't know. I don't know if I need to give you guys any information at all. And, yeah, that reminds me of the right. uh, old campaign you guys were in. Right, exactly. And maybe maybe you guys as a group need to come up with some cover story to get me to give you any info at all. I come up and I stir shit on the table and I leave, but you need info from me. And maybe you guys have 10 or 15 minutes to come up with how you're going to get something out of me I, as a concrete tip. And I, I don't know, I'm talking out of my ass. But. I, I think <laughs> there's a book called Tribe and it speaks to this very subject about uh bond forming and it's mostly about soldiers going overseas it's about how their their bonds are almost unbreakable because they've suffered and struggled together and when you go through a certain amount of of you know disaster together those bonds are unbreakable it's kind of even like siblings like your sibling nobody knows you better um, i would i you know speaking maybe anecdotally but i don't think anybody knows me better than my siblings like they've seen me at my greatest and at my worst and they've known me since I was a baby. And it's like, it's time and experience together. And then it's the tragedies we've survived. I think dungeons, <laughs> it's, it's built into the name, go on a couple dungeon raids, fight a couple bandits. And eventually you guys will be right there with a companionship of like, like, man, I fucking, I need, I need my support magic. I need my uh, this and that. It's like there's yep. you can all contribute to the group and you, you go on enough raids, you go on enough dungeons, it, eventually you'll build that camaraderie. But I do think it takes a little time if it's not right out of the gate, which I think is probably unusual to just to just be, you know, the A team right out of the gate. It's probably a little little irregular. So I think with a little time and a few challenges you can get right there to where we have a brotherhood. And um, I don't know if you ever read the, if, if our listeners have ever read the preface, the preface to the, the player's guide. And it says right there in, in the first two pages of like D and D for some reason, just brings strangers together. It's beautiful. It certainly, does. it certainly does. And then you got me, you got me all twisted up. I gotta call my little sister after this. All right. So let's go to our next question. This one comes from Maxwell, who apparently recently had a issue at his table with a couple players having some conflict. How do you, as a DM, deal with conflict among your players? And as a player, please elaborate on your style of working with others and how you handle other players, quote unquote, disappointing actions or, quote unquote, actions you would really rather they hadn't taken. <laughs> this is juicy. That's a pretty tough one. Um, as a player, I got to say, like, sometimes I really, I, I give all that I have. I want it to work so badly. I give all I have until I just have to wave the white flag and say, I tried. 
I'm going to give 100% to try to make this teamwork work. If it doesn't, I know it wasn't me. Um, I have to say, you know, recent example, we had a new character, Brad's character, came into the fold, and Brad was super mellow coming into the game. And it was a way of just being easy. I would say easygoing would be one of the best descriptors I could use because um, it's a whole new environment. It's a whole new character. It's a whole new dynamic. And you you need to be sensitive about those sort of things. And I I don't think it could have been done any better. I thought Brad really brought the heat. It was very low key. And eventually his time's going to come to turn it up a notch. You're like, well, hey, this is my character. and This is how my character behaves. And we're going to be comfortable with that because he came in super respectful. But I think um, common courtesy is a big part of that. I agree with you. And um, I'm going to do some self-shade here because I am a patrol freak. Um, I consider myself a really good tactician. No. And no. I <laughs> am a rule lawyer, even though I hate them. <laughs> No, come on. So these things, though, um, as a player, it takes me a lot to control myself, not to metagame and to like tell people, what are you doing with your like, I'm obsessed with action economy as a player. I want the most bang for my buck, you know? And so when I see other players doing things, that I'm, I think are useless actions or frivolous. Stupid. Yeah, frivolous actions. I'm like, what are you doing? That turn yeah. could could mean everything. Yep. You know. But and, I don't think I've ever seen you do that out of character either. I don't think I've seen you talk to another player and, and uh, I think he's them. letting us in on his inner struggle. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, that's perfect. <laughs> but that, but I think that's where it needs to remain, right? Uh, oh, no, yeah. It, well, I mean, so, it kind of does. Um, no, that's exactly it. It needs like it is part of my personality to be very um like I want to tell you what to do with your characters. I'm, I'm giving you I a know. virtual fist bump right now. Yeah, no, I <laughs> I feel it I feel it a hundred percent. And I'm I think I might be that frivolous player half the time because <laughs> I'm not so focused on the economy of action so much as I am just getting in the in the role and mm-hmm. I'll do some dumb shit if it if it makes sense to my character. And I and that's that's just a difference in style, but I, I do think that you do a great job of not voicing that at the table. Yeah. It, it will cause you people immediately to hate you. And I don't like being hated. I like all. Yeah. You. That, that's going to turn people <laughs> off immediately. So it's, it's almost impossible. How could anybody not sit there and imagine knowing, especially the more and more and more you get to know the other players characters you you imagine what might happen next in your mind and and when they when they go completely off of what you would think that they should do i mean it's it's almost impossible to not at least have those thoughts no it it i i agree with you and that's entirely why i tend to play more support characters or casters um because i love battlefield control i love uh, you know looking at the bigger picture and I have to fight with myself to, to let people play their characters because otherwise I'm playing the game by myself. Why are you here? So you get that you get your rocks off in a different manner. I gotcha. Yeah, no, I, I still love role playing. That's just, you know, my character. I just mean, as far as like the tactics and control of the field go and stuff, you're, you're, oh. you're, you're getting that Jones out in a different Avenue. 
and I, we, I appreciate that. If we could that. collapse a tower on somebody rather than fighting them sword to sword, I'd be so happy. But you kind of defer to the table too, yeah. Oh, you, I think at the, at the core thing is, and this is what Hagar said uh, previously about the first thing about strangers coming together, you have to respect everybody. And as a player, I have to respect that you guys are coming to the table for different reasons. And you're spe- you are choosing to spend your time with me. And I have to respect that. And I have to go, I appreciate you investing your time into playing this game with me because otherwise I'd be staring at a wall, pretty much writing a book. <laughs> I think that's another thing too. And this is, a, this, this is just an aside, but I always make it a point to thank the DM. And and if you're a player who hasn't done that in a while, don't feel bad, but do it next session. Just thank your DM. Even if you thought the session was crap, just thank him for running the show because he, he puts a lot of work into it. And a lot of DMs would probably rather be playing if they had the opportunity. Yeah, the always DM. And I think I th- this was the last. I think this last Friday was the first time me and Jesse played together in like years. It was really refreshing too. Yeah, I think we did. We didn't get much time together face to face, but that's that's neither here nor there. We'll get there. But I mean, well, it was. I mean, if you guys refreshing. can link link up your schedules to where <laughs> yeah. you're playing on the same day, you'll definitely get time to. It was just. Together. It was refreshing because I, I even when we we're kids, either one of us was running the game. It was either me or him. And we didn't get to have two PCs running at the same time was like unheard of. And that was so fun for right now. I'm, I'm perfectly happy doing this. You're doing great, man. Yeah. I think, I think it's been a, it's been a a nice relief on both of us not to have to run something. I might get burned out on it for a while, but you know, I mean, I, I foresee me having a blast doing that for at least until that module's finished. And I could probably make that shit last for a year. Nice. I've had, conflict i've had conflict at my table I, oh my goodness i've had conflict at my table all throughout the but i'm going to say both iterations this newest iteration of me taking a stab at being a dm right away the first session that i had there was there was an issue and i i just don't know really how and and that's the thing i'm i'm going to be dwelling on that for a while how how can i what can I do <clears throat> to not later feel like I didn't do enough anyway? You're never going to be able to prevent every conflict between your players, but did you, did you let it get out of hand? You know, that's the question you ask yourself. Could you give an example or something? Well, um, I had two players in the same room. I uh, was running the, the game over Discord, and you know how we're all uh, using our own separate channels. Well, the way I like to run the game and and direct the game, at least in Discord, and I kind of brought that over from my old style of play. We used to set up a folding table in my bedroom, and we would all sit around this folding table, but I sat with my back to the door and nearest to the door because I was always the one that was definitely leaving the room. And then when appropriate, I would leave the room, and we would do role-playing in the other room, say the kitchen table. And I would have a whole setup in there ready to go so that when we went in, we didn't have to take dice with us or anything like that if there were any rolls that even needed to be made. Uh, but the but the role-playing, and I always, I don't know why, but I just feel like I need to keep some sort of secrets from the other players when they're separated. If you're not all together, you really shouldn't all know certain things. So anyway, uh, the two players wanted to play in the same room 
over the same device, which was a, a cell phone in this case. And I, I, I didn't really want to do that. I resisted for a little while, but then I gave in. And I was like, you know, it's, it's whatever. I don't want to make you guys uncomfortable. And if you'd, if you'd rather be together in the same room and share this experience, you know what? As long as we're going to have the experience, let's just let it be what it is. And we'll do this. So we go through some role playing for a little while. Um, and then we come to uh, what, what, uh, what would you couldn't describe as anything other than a crescendo. And we're at this critical moment. And things are about to happen. And then the one player who was in the middle of investigating something uh, was all tied up with that investigation and couldn't really take any action other than what they were doing. And the other player did something that the one player didn't like. And it, 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 didn't, it didn't get kept. The, the person didn't keep that to themselves. They didn't say, you know, oh, I'm just going to let them do their thing and we're going to see how this pans out. In that moment, because they were both sitting there face to face, it it began this. And unfortunately for me, and that's why I feel what this online thing, it's a whole different story as far as controlling True. the table and True. controlling the game. Um, I lost control completely because they were face to face. And they began to haggle and bargain. And, you know, maybe the one person didn't like the attitude of the other person. Well, bad news for Leo. Um, <laughs> it turns out their cell phone died just as they began to argue. And I, I, there was nothing I could do. They made no attempt to reconnect. Uh, the, the cell phone remained off. And I didn't even really find out about the full, uh, you know, the extent breadth, of it, yeah. breadth and width of, of the argument until the next day. And it has just, it really, it has, I won't say soured because I don't think that's the right word, but it has cooled my relationship with them. And it's going to take time to rebuild that bond. And it's very unfortunate. Absolutely. I, I do think it's kind of weird. It, it, it's just a, a strange situation. Like you're, your in-character actions, their their in-character actions had a out-of-character result, which didn't go well. I think it was. I I really do think after talking to everybody, it was, it wasn't so much what was done in character. It was, hey, like person to person, out of character. Hey, and they don't understand that yet because they were both brand new to role playing and D and D in general. And there's where I might have failed as a dungeon master by not giving them some sort of spiel that, that would have prevented this. I, I don't know what that would have been, but, you know, things run through my mind after the fact when there's negative outcomes. Absolutely. That's just my personality. So they, it was that exchange personally. And I think it was, you know, imagine you were sitting next to someone. You said, hey, wait, don't do that. And then they blow you off in a way that you felt maybe mildly offended by you yeah, you know how like it was in, in interpersonal yeah. arguments begin face to face across look it doesn't i don't know what i don't know what triggered it i i just don't i just know that there was a fight i think sometimes they're just out of our control altogether too i mean that oh, yeah. that, that sounds like you might have not been able to corral that at all no, no, because it, it, it wouldn't have mattered whether they were in separate rooms or whether they were, you know, hmm, 
I really don't even know if it would have mattered if they were in separate locations. Maybe if you were right. physically present, and and that's that again. That comes back to that online kind of gap there. Maybe well, if there you it were is. physically present, but that's physically not present. Anything. I could have been like, whoa, 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 guys, hold on. This is not how this works. Everything's going to be fine. But as soon as I lost my connection and they were already fighting, it was over. I yeah. disagree completely. Because if you were present, what were you, what would you have done? Held their hands and powdered their butts? Like, oh no, not necessarily. No. <laughs> I just I just mean to say. I just there would have been say, a lot less confusion over here. Pay attention to me. I'm the dungeon master guy. <laughs> it may not have, it may not have even escalated. Yep. But I that, think the I, timing I think of the cell phone dying was horrible. You you can only bear a certain amount of responsibility, and I and I, I appreciate that you do want to take ownership for that. But at the same time, it's like um just for an example, one of the players I play with, uh, he's super stealthy. I'm a barbarian. I'm super loud. And we we're always at odds of like what we think we should do next. And I want to walk down the middle of the road. He wants to walk hiding behind trees and, you know, ducking behind bushes. And at the end of the day, if he says, Hey, Hagar, I think it's better if we do it this way. I have to be humble enough to say, well, does that make any sense? And is that going to get us further along versus my natural inclination to be loud and boisterous it's like well hey you know what maybe he's got a point there and i'll withdraw a little bit and i'll take sage advice if sage advice is given but i think at the end of the day for that situation it seems like they didn't respect each other whether they knew each other whether they were in different rooms whether you know anything at the end of the day it seemed like they didn't respect each other and they didn't respect each other's decisions i don't have to agree with your decision to listen to you like Touché. if you like I, I want, I want to run down with my axe out. But if somebody tell, hey, it's better if you hush up and let me sneak around, and I'll, I'll snipe, you know, snipe these two guys out, and you know, we'll take care of it that way while the well, sun's here's down. The thing. I mean, what, what if? Well, it just happened. It just happened um, the other night as well. I mean, so, okay, you, you guys describe a situation where um, Jesse's character stabbed someone. And the other players might not have actually wanted that to happen at that moment. And maybe even the DM. So, And it sounds like you all handled it well. I, I, that's where I was actually going to go with it next. I mean, it kind of comes back to this thing where we could totally disagree with it. I actually love those moments where Hagar throws us under the bus and like screws up our plan. As a player, I enjoy that. I'm like... Well, shit! There goes the plan right out the window. How do we adapt? How do we adapt to that? I love right. it. So, and also, around someone you think that's the difference. Your group who's being themselves. I, I want to. I want to interject here real quick. You know, I think we're looking at this from a role-playing game perspective. However, the question is actually an interpersonal communications question. Yeah. And so we have to really True. look at that. You know, if we weren't playing D and D, we were all out at a bar. And that guy told the girl, hey, don't carry your mug full with beer around when you move. You know, when you have to get up, just leave the beer there, get up, do what you need to do and come back and get your drink. And then she'd grab that beer and moved while she was walking. He probably would have reacted the same way if she spilt it um, as he did in that game. He would have been angry. I, like I told you that. not to carry that mug when you were walking. True, true. Or, or, or if she, or uh, I'll go even further. If she hadn't spilled it, mm. you might have spilled it. Yeah, no, it depends right. On what the response, <laughs> I think if the response was, I just don't know. 
Yeah. You can't I mean, control people's maturity and in their interpersonal communications with people. No, you can't. Um, what you can do, though, is filter that out. And you can just be firm. You have to respect your own boundaries as a DM. If you don't like the way people are doing things, tell them, I don't like this and I don't want to play with you. Yeah, agreed. That's, that's great. And and had he been in that physical space, he definitely would have had a better chance at making that happen, I think. Well, I mean, after after the fact, I laid out a very clear, definitive plan on how he would be able to return. Beautiful. I did. And, Beautiful. and, he, and he didn't. And he didn't. But he didn't accept it. Yeah. Hey. Hey, you did, did all you could do. I said, if you're going to come back, you can come back and you can play one character and you could share it if you want. You could both role play that character and work on the decisions. And that was my idea to, to help the decision making thing with them. You can work on the decisions that in that character's actions together or you could play and the other person could just attend if you want to be in the same room or you could both play a character but in separate rooms. I think that was fair. Dude. And the decision and the decision was made to not play at all. And I was like, I can't, I can't go forward because I need to preserve the game. It's not just about that one individual player's comfort. I have to be able to preserve the game for everyone. Yeah. All the kids in the car. Yeah. And, and I've said this before. It comes down to, do you want to sit at that table? And he does not want to sit at this table. No, not, that's right. not your, this table. That's not, not your, these rules. And that's not your fault. That's your table. No. That's the way you want to run it. He's not. He's yeah. not comfortable with those stipulations. Well, I can't yeah. have a disruptive atmosphere like that. So if I have somebody that's getting upset when they don't like what someone else is doing, even if they have a nasty attitude about it, that you have to just be able to roll with that. Yep. Best and Leo, scenario. Leo, you did exactly what I was going to suggest. Um, I was going to suggest next that whenever you have a, a an outburst like that or an awkward moment that you know you have to reflect on and try to, I think it's important that you reset the tone. As the dungeon master, you can make all, any rule under the sun. Day is night, night is day. Like you are, you know, for lack of a better term, god of that world. And if you want to reset the tone of your table, I think that's totally within your your rights. And he's like, well, hey, guys, like going forward, we're all going to I know we all we're individuals, but we need to respect each other's decision making. And whether you agree with it or not, you're, you, you shouldn't put someone else down for their good or bad decisions. And it's like you could go forward with a with a fresh step at any point. You can reset the tone or you can add a rule that is like um, there's going to be a penalty if you do X, Y and Z. And I, I think it's very I think you're you're right on the money with with what you did next. I mean, I had to do the same thing with Hagar. He kept trying to make this about like strippers and hoes, and I was like, mm -hmm, "Dude, we're mm -hmm. trying to play D and D and do something like you fight some goblins." <laughs> we gotta we gotta keep this ball rolling. We're gonna roll right into homebrew items. Do they suck or are they red? Yeah. <laughs> this one comes to us from. Did I write it down this time? Shit balls. This one comes to us from Alex. This item is called the Staff of Dread. And as always, it's brought to you by Magwa's Magic Item Compendium. Copyright information, blah, 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 blah. The Staff of Dread is a weapon staff. Very rare. It requires attunement by a spellcaster. This ancient staff hosts the undead corpse of a powerful mage and leeches it, it of the magic it once commanded. <laughs> it smells awful. 
you are immune to effects that cause the frightened condition while you hold the staff. The staff holds 10 charges. While holding it, you can use an action to expend one or more of its charges to cast one of the following spells from it using your spell save DC. Sign of Terror, one charge. Suggestion, two charges. Fear, four charges. Or Phantasmal Killer, four charges. The staff regains 1d6 plus four expended charges daily at dawn. If you expend the last charge, roll a 1d20. On a one, the staff turns to smoke and is destroyed. I think it's rad. Yeah, me right too. Right off the bat, right? This right is, off the bat, I'm, I'm I, wishing that I had a, a wizard that had this. Gonna, I think it I'm, sucks. <laughs> you motherfucker, I picked it specifically Why? so it would be rad. <laughs> Dude, so outside, okay. So outside of causing terror, it's cool you can't be, you know, drawn into fear and surprise and things like that. But outside of Phantasmal Killer, which I think is awesome, I, I do fuck with that. But it's a good assist weapon i wouldn't ever want it for my main weapon i'm not 100 percent sure what sign of terror is that might be a, uh, a humber spell in and of itself yeah it might be i can't find it anywhere i'm assuming it has to do with being frightened causing the frightened stat and that's kind of conducive to the fact that you can't be frightened while you're carrying this right that's the theme of the weapon let's just throw in there since we're not 100 percent sure we'll just say it's a it's a it's a spell that causes frightening uh <laughs> But Phantasmal Killer is the real, I think that's the crux of the weapon. I mean, um, uh, Phantasmal Killer, you tap into the nightmares of a creature you can see within range and create an illusionary manifestation of its deepest fears visibly only to that creature. The hmm. target must make a wisdom saving throw on a failed save. The target becomes frightened for the duration. At the end of each of the target's turns, before the spell ends, the target must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or take... Four die ten psychic damage. So this thing is like a mind fuck weapon, a hundred percent. Right, and it gives advantage to your allies. I think ah, fuck. This is the only reason I don't like it is because if it was, if my ally had this weapon, I would be like, fuck yeah, dude, confuse the hell out of them kobolds. <laughs> you just don't feel like carrying it yourself. Exactly. <laughs> I knew there was something not worth the to wait. Play, uh, play with the smells awful part because they threw it on there, but like. Give me disadvantage on diplomacy. That's Make true. Yeah. Something. Uh, and, chari it, it, yeah and charisma. We're just talking about if it's rad and on not. We're not talking about balance. We're going to have to give it a number rating at the end. <laughs> it, it, mm. At the current moment, I would say it's rad. As a player, it's rad. But as a DM, yeah. it's not. So I, the DM is going to have a hard time kind of combating. I mean, I think my problem is my fun typically comes from bad things happening to my characters. So <laughs> the rad part for me would be that like the smells all that part. disadvantage, the charisma, the charisma uh, penalty. Yeah, but there is none. Technically. That's well, what I'm saying. Right, right, right. I wish it would have something. If you're going to throw a line there, like it smells awful and it's got a corpse hanging on it, like throw some, throw something <laughs> at me for it. Now I will, you know what? I will go a little bit on the contrarian side with Harry, just because if, as a main weapon, all it's doing is psychic effects. I mean, there's a little bit of damage with Phantasmal Killer. We're not sure about the homebrew quote unquote spell because we're just not educated on it. But suggestion, I mean, you can suggest things, but it's not going to hurt them. So maybe that's a little bit, uh, a little bit weaker. I do like the fact that you got to re-roll it, and on that one, I mean, there's a it, natural ones happen way more often than you think. That thing's gone. 
So if you if if you're not carrying a backup or what have you, that could be Ooh. just just leaving you high and dry in the middle of a dungeon, and you, now you got your component pouch in your dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking my I way mean, out of here. <laughs> I mean, that, it, it, that's kind of not not to be not to be neglected. But that's a that's a thing that a lot of staffs do. Staff of Frost, uh, you know, on a one, the staff turns to water and destroyed. I like that aspect. Don't get me wrong. Love I it. Like, yeah. Love it. Uh, you have. Uh, I'm looking at other staffs. I'm, I, so I, I just wanted to see how it compares to other very rare stay uh, staffs, and it's it's comparing pretty well. Unless you get to legendary stuff, which is staff of magi, you got it's it's pretty comparative to those other staffs it's kind of like an illusion based type thing is, is what i'm feeling of it, it, it's called it, the staff of dread in the sense that it's causing mental effects more so, so than anything take for example where i just brought up staff frost this is a frost variation is pretty much what we're looking at it has 10 charges um it can cast cold of cold fog cloud ice storm and or wall of ice the staff regains one die six plus four expended charges a day at dawn and if you spend the last charge, roll die town twenty, and on a one, the staff turns water and destroyed. Um, and you also get resistance to cold damage when you hold the staff. Um, it nice. requires attunement, and it's a very rare staff. So it kind of seems like he might have used that as the framework. And I do see here, Leo, nice job, man. That's uh, got the info for Aura of Terror. So maybe mm. that's maybe that's what this quote unquote homebrew spell is based off of. I uh, or or maybe just it was it was a typo. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, but this, I mean, this right here is along the same line. Yeah. Does. These, these, the, our listeners are probably better versed at these than we are. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think it kind of comes back to that, that theme. It's, it's causing mental effects. Some of them cause damage. Some of them don't. I, I, I think it's rad. I mean, I, I, I like the, I like the effect that it could disappear. I, I like, and like you said, that's standard, but I do like that aspect that kind of brings it back down to earth a little bit. Well, I think maybe like, uh, maybe Harry, maybe I could change your mind. I hear what you're saying that it seems like there's not a, enough bang for your buck for what you, what, what you've got there. And you, but you'd like it if a person in the party had it. So maybe it would be really rad for a lower level character, like an entry level. Even then you would, you would hope with a lot of fear, creatures run away. So I'm not gonna. I'm a. I'm a smash and grab guy myself. <clears throat> I try to find balance within the force and to not run around wheeling my axe on every bystander I see. But as a person who, and I wouldn't say I'm combat heavy, but I'm not combat adverse in the slightest. And it's like when it comes to combat, trickery, wizardry, and illusions are an aspect that. Even if we're talking magic, I would prefer to see a destruction spell versus I'd rather have an ice staff versus an illusion spell. And it's if you had more than one staff in your pocket, I'd say, hey, go for it. Like, that's the win win to have in a pinch. Fuck, yeah, we're going to hit this illusion and, and get out of this sticky situation. But as far as combat goes. I wouldn't, I'd stick by what I said. I'd rather have an ally with this weapon than to have it myself. All right. Uh, if I could just throw out, just to kind of bounce this off, something very vanilla. Um, looking through the very rare items, you know, list uh, of official stuff, would you guys rather have something like this 
or uh, very vanilla, a we- plus three weapon or uh, something to that effect uh, on the you know wizarding side, something that gives you a flat bonus. Would you rather have that or would you rather have this staff? Myself, I would lean towards something like this, to be honest. I think, but that that again goes to my play style. I'm not necessarily driven by mechanics, but I like, I do like failing. I think the psychological aspects and the creative aspects you could play this with are, are enough for me to kind of forgo that plus three. But that's just me. Oh, yeah. I think it, a plus three, think about it this way. I mean, please, to anyone who can answer this, what are the effects on your enemies of getting hit passing? super hard? <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, aren't there just dis- don't they have disadvantage if, if they come into the range of your of your fear spells? Yeah, as long as they're not immune, and that comes to the DM to kind of. I think that could be. I think it could be lev- le- leveraged more to your advantage than a plus three on your damage. That's fair. I think the question is, if you're giving me a plus three, like, am I getting a plus three to just straight up attacking? Or are you give me an item of like a. For example, if I'm a spellcaster, are you giving me an item that's going to boost my primary uh, casting stat at the equivalent cost of something that's a plus three weapon? So am I going to get a plus two to my uh, intelligence? Let's say uh, I- let's call it. um I haven't looked at actually a couple of but like a, a rod of the pack keeper for a warlock uh, plus three rod, rod for that. So it doesn't affect your actual stats, but yeah, your two hit your spell save in that when using that, I believe. Yeah, I'm just uh, doing quick research on that, but yeah, yeah I'm just pulling it up right now. Lisa, <laughs> I'd rather have the rod of the pack keeper. I had her walking my dogs. <laughs> a very rare. Yeah, yeah so three. yeah, a plus three to spell attack rolls uh, and to saving nice. DCs. Like a flat this That's is, awesome. I, mean, I, I think this the staff has a lot of flavor to it. Uh, but mm-hmm. mechanical bonuses. It's a little it's a little bare bones, huh? I'm giving it a six out of ten. Okay, let's yeah, actually that's a good segue. Let's crack in. Leo, what uh, six out of ten what? It's well, on, six it's what? The, you can't just say six. We have six, <laughs> six, six point five. <laughs> what, no, how I are mean, we gonna measure it? What's the nail? Skulls, six point five skulls out of whatever, ten. Whatever, okay. you, whatever you'd like. School to be them up, Sal. School it's them compl- up. It's completely so arbitrary. I'm gonna give it a seven point five hose out of ten. <laughs> oh God, I'm giving it four point five goblins. That's all I got. You guys have kind of talked me down again. I'm gonna go with a. You know what? No, I'm gonna stay true to my convictions. I'm gonna give it a seven point five bubblies out of ten. Ooh. Uh, I'm going to go left field because uh, it's really a throw up uh, for me, whether I do or don't. I think it's cool, but mechanically, eh, but I'm also not spellcaster heavy. So you got your red uh, marker out. Yeah, I got uh, <laughs> I'm going to go higher this time than last time, but I'll keep it an even five broken wagon wheels. <laughs> Solid. And then Solid. Solid. I, I've um, got 6.5 for me, 7.5 for Saul, 4.5 for Harry, 7.5 for Jesse, and 5 for Brad. Perfect. Does that sound about right? Mm-hmm. So what's our um, average? I got I to gotta do math. I'm not good at math. Give me a minute. 6.2. <laughs> Did you get it? 
No, I'm a good guesser though. Hold on, let me let me do the average. What about the confidence? He, he is a fucking good guesser. You get me alone with a, a jar of jelly beans, game over. God damn, god damn jelly bean counting. Did, did you really do the math? No. No. The answer no. is 6.2. No, dude, he's that good. I've seen him count <laughs> jelly beans. I've seen him nail jelly beans at field good day. Good for you, homie, because I can't do math that fast. And that <laughs> is the day, answer, 6.2. Field day, dude, jelly beans. Or whatever whatever, whatever healthy Rain thing man. they did instead. Hold on, hold on. Rain Man what, Harry. What, what did we get? We, get we had eight. We had 7.5, right? Who said eight? Who said eight? I had seven point five, right? I had I had six point five. I went with seven point five. What did Harry say? Four point five. Or did you say Brad, Harry? Brad, what'd you get? Four point five. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm at a five. Yeah, and the answer is six point two. It can't be point two. There is no point two. I was there just, is, it's six point two. There is, it's there is. average. We're, there's only five of us. Oh my god, because the number's oblong to begin with. He could have even cheated that because he didn't know what we we're talking about. I was Dude. just kidding completely. And you were right it. though, one hundred percent. The average of those numbers is six point two. Well, now I got a six point two. Now I got right. a lot of fucking right. editing to do because we got to keep that, but we can't keep everything. <laughs> Harry, Dude, we're going to the casino guess. sometime. <laughs> Is Wapner on? I'm just going to throw my calculator away and call Harry from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Harry, how much do I owe for my taxes? Like, Harry, hurry up. Wait a minute. You're good. Hey, Harry, you. Harry, Harry told me I was good on my taxes. <laughs> <laughs> I, get an, I get an audit notice and I Don't mail start. it back and I just I just write on there. Harry says I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> we get it. We get it. That might go on the B-sides, but, but so far so good. Hey, that's strange. Strange. You guys happy to wrap it up? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. good stuff. All, right. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us for another episode of Dice Advice. Uh, this episode was brought to you by Uncle Danny's Apple Brandy. Yes. This one now available in Granny Smith. I, I, I don't think I'll be able to tell the difference, but uh, of course, Jim and Nancy's Jam Jars. And as always, the stalwart Slappy's Peanut Butter. The thinnest, wateriest peanut butter that you'll ever purchase. Hey, um, I don't know what's going on here, but I, I think I have a, I think a representative. He's, he says his name is Benton. Benton. He says his name is Benton. Uh, hey, boy, I come here from the island to tell you one time. I got these things. Everybody tired of these fucking home and pigeons delivering your messages all late. Well, guess what, boy? We got for you flying fish. You tie a message to the fin, get you there next day air. No worries, man. It's on you. You got it. You got it. Thank, <laughs> thank you, sir. Thank you for thank, thank you for Benton. that. Benton, thank you. What's Benton. the name of the what's the name of the business, Benton? Flying Fish in Corp. <laughs> oh, thank thank you. Thank you for coming. I Good thought that little. was Ben Ten like the cartoon, but okay. Benton. Oh yeah, Benton. No, ben, ben Ten. Ben. Yeah. Thank ben you, Ten, ben. also good, also good, and he's already gone. Look at him; he's already he's gone. Is he on a flying fish? <laughs> well, he's, he's selling them. <laughs> he's, he's he's gone. We turned around to find him, but he's just whoosh, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> he pulled a get like pulled the Doctor Pepper guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah! All right, thank you guys very much. All right, you guys can check us out on. Twitter at Lore Seller, Facebook at Seller Lore. You can see us on our website at thesellerlore.com. And if you guys have any questions, quandaries, anything we might be able to use as fodder, please hit us up. We need it. We want to base this stuff on your guys' content, not just our own. 
And if you want to see Hagar, just post on Backpage. <laughs> mm. uh, they they yeah. shut that. They shut that down. But yeah, thanks for having <laughs> me back, guys. The new one, absolutely. Thank you so much. And l- yeah, let's go around the table. Jesse, Harry, Saul, Brad, and Leo. And until next time, slather yourself in peanut butter. I'm rolling to see if I got her pregnant or not. <laughs> Saul's like, that's not what this game's about. You can't. Roll for ovulation. <laughs> yep. Oh, God.